Hey everybody, welcome to Soul Food Priest with Father Ben. It's great to have you. I'm here with Kira Roddy. How's life? Uh, life is, is good. Yeah. It is one step at a time. Uh, but kind of with its, I don't know, the past few weeks it's been kind of like dark, wintry. And I love the winter. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Love the winter. But when it's winter with no snow and mm-hmm. it's just cold mm-hmm. and dreary. No, it's depressing. I feel like I've ugh. been listening to The Cure every day. Like <laughs> been reading Edgar Allan Poe poems or something like I'm just like sunshine must have sunshine (laughs) oh my heavens and our three-year-old I took him out for a little bike ride the other day and he just kind of we got out on the driveway and he was just like oh it's so good to see the sunshine (laughs) and I was like yes it is it's awesome yay Dominic yes right (laughs) I mean so uh, so yes, wisdom from a three-year-old. I was marveling at the simple things. Yeah, sunshine. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. It it really makes a huge difference. That as a priest, one of the things I love is so often during Holy Week, mm-hmm. you know, things are blooming, and when I just have so many memories of doing the Easter fire on Holy Saturday when things are blooming, blooming, and I can hear birds chirping. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, thank you, God, we got through winter. Right. There's totally something to be said that the seasons reflect the liturgical life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that winter is death and spring is resurrection and a new life. And I'm like, yes, I am Mm -hmm. welcoming spring right now. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Well, and speaking of which, so I was thinking about this. So I'm sure you probably knew this, but I've only been a priest 17 years. So I just recently remember this. But... (laughs) <laughs> the you know on Sundays we get a we get a reprieve from whatever you gave up during mm-hmm. Lent. Mm-hmm. So uh, yesterday was Sunday, yeah. and uh, so I went out and I had a wonderful meal at this restaurant. And um, so uh, I thought, dude, it's Sunday, man. Just chow into a dessert. I ordered dessert first before I was with two couples. So I ordered uh-huh. a dessert first, and just lit into this dessert like and devoured it okay and they looked at me like okay do you eat like do you ever get out of your house are you a little troll that gets out and so but I inhaled this this cookie thing and uh, man I was thinking oh thank you God for the reprieve and then I think I mean I'm a priest so I should know this but I think on also St. Patrick's Day and St. Joseph Day mm-hmm. is that right so St. Patrick's Day I think is based on approval by your bishop okay. which our bishop has he has said we cannot Yay, where bishop. we can you know we can eat meat on St. Patrick's Day provided we don't eat meat on another day during the week. Oh. But I think St. Joseph's Day, since that is a solemnity, then that one's already exempt from fasting. Okay. And then, of course, the Archbishop of... of New Orleans, Bishop Amon said that we can eat alligator because alligators considered seafood. So um, we don't have alligators here in Memphis. We've got roaches the size of alligators. <laughs> but um, yeah, so in case you you get a hankering for alligator, Kira. Yeah, n- never really. <laughs> <laughs> When I was a chef, I had to cook it once, and uh, it was not delightful. I mean, I have to say, I don't have a taste for it. It 
Well, I think what's kind of humorous to me is it seems like the bishops are the one who define what fish is. Yeah, yeah. They don't ask a chef. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, whatever. Poor guys. They never get any credit. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it really, it's funny. Well, and that kind of maybe is a segue into what we were thinking about discussing today. In, um, I was thinking today maybe we would chat a little bit about the creed and what we believe. And uh, as everybody knows, there's a difference between the Nicene Creed from the Council of Nicaea, 325, and, uh, and then also the Apostles' Creed. And um, so the, the Nicene Creed... Um, it, just to give everybody a little backstory. So at the time, we had this priest, you know, most of the church's heresies that we've had, they estimate roughly 70 major heresies. Most of them, of course, were started by a bishop or a priest. Yeah, way to go, guys. And so uh, so one of those guys, uh, his name was Arius, and um, Arius said that Jesus was not divine. And uh, so, and this is, this had a massive, massive impact on the church because at the time, I mean, we're talking, there's different numbers on this, but almost half of the Catholic bishops at the time believed in, in Arianism. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine half of the bishops believing in, a, in something heretical? So on the one hand, we had Arius, Arius who said, no, 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 Jesus was not divine. And right around the same time, we had another heresy that said, monophysitism, that said, no, Jesus was divine, but it rejected his humanity. Mm-hmm. And thus, the, the creed, which was actually not called by the Pope at the time, believe it or not, the Council, um, the Council of Nicaea was actually called by Emperor Constantine, who's like, look, man, you guys need to figure this out. And, that, and so we've had 21 ecumenical councils uh, in the history of the church, not including the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. Mm-hmm. And so the, the last of the 21, of course, being Vatican II. But, you know, thanks be to God, Constantine was like, okay, guys, you need to figure, you need to get your house in order. You need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And he was right. And mm-hmm. so Catholics believe that once the bishops come together in an ecumenical or universal or general council. Um, once it's ratified by the Pope, we ha- are required to believe in it. So um, they came up with the Nicene Creed, which uh, is Catholics, we say every Sunday. And it's worth pointing out some of our Protestant brothers and sisters also mention this. So first line in the creed, what does it say? You're going to throw this at me, aren't you? I believe in God. Believe in God. I'm glad you believe in God, Kara. It makes me happy that you believe in God because God believes in you, Kara. So I believe in one God. Okay. Solamente uno Dios. Okay. One God. And so it's worth pointing out. I mean, if if you look at this up, there's roughly circa 4,000 varieties of religion in the world today over 40,000 varieties of Christianity in the world today. Mm. So we would say that there's many religions, but there's one God. And um, um, maybe to that point, um, Catholics, this is one of the things that Vatican II pointed out in this document that came out in 2000 by Joseph Ratzinger uh, called Dominus Jesus, so the Lord Jesus, in September 2000. And he said that 
Um, God presents the possibility of salvation for every human being that's ever lived, okay? Doesn't mean everybody will be saved, but the possibility of salvation for every human being that's ever lived. Mm -hmm. Um, But they are saved whether they realize this or not. Um, They are saved through Jesus Christ and his work in the Catholic Church, Mm -hmm. okay? So, um, and when this came out, Dominus Jesus, the Washington Post and, you know, the, I don't know if it was the Washington Post or New York Times, one of them said, the headlines were, Catholic Church declares Catholicism's sole path to salvation. Okay, that's not what we said, of mm-hmm. course, but we said that we said that when people are saved, mm-hmm. they are saved through the work of Jesus Christ and his work in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. okay, whether they realize this or not. Mm-hmm. And so, um, nor do Catholics understand uh, Catholicism, strictly speaking, as a religion. That comes as a surprise to many people because it's, of course, in every book on religion. Catholics understand Catholicism not as a religion, but as a relationship, mm-hmm. as Pope Benedict pointed out, as a relationship with the, the figure, the person of Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So the first councils of the church were called the, the Christological councils. They were trying to figure out who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. Who is this God that we worship? What do we know about this man, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, for instance, did Jesus have a soul? Mm-hmm. Did he have one nature? Did he have two nature? Did he have a human will, a divine will? What do we actually know about this guy? Mm-hmm. And um, and so this is one of the cool things about being Catholic is that we've got this figured out in the yeah. sense that there's, of course, a lot more that we don't know about God, but our church has figured this out, and Catholics believe this is something we can trust. Mm-hmm. So it's cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that the creeds and and the councils have all been guided by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is not going to lead us in error. So it's you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's one of those things where it's not like God's going to reveal all of this and then inspire these writers to write all of this and then go, all right, here you go. Now figure the rest out. Mm-hmm. He doesn't kind of lead us leave us hanging on the interpretation. Mm-hmm. He also says, okay, I'm sending the Holy Spirit too to guide you and to instruct you and to teach you. So we can, especially with regards to the creed, we can be confident in that this is this is something that was argued, <laughs> discussed, uh, studied, prayed about, all of that, but it was ultimately the Holy Spirit guiding mm-hmm. all of these words and guiding this this understanding because i mean again if this was just a human construct if the catholic church was just a human construct like it would make no sense why humans would make something up like i've always said that where belief in false gods or the teachings in these in the false gods make sense Mm -hmm. because they're made up by humans so they make sense but this our understanding of god and one person and you know, divine and human and all of that. Mm -hmm. This is so far beyond human understanding and capacity that I'm like, yeah, that's definitely made given to us by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, so no question. I mean, that's, that's an excellent point. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially nor would it have lasted well over 2000 years. Mm -mm. And I mean, and that's actually less of a theological argument than more of just a historical statement. Right. 
Right. I mean, it would never have lasted that long, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and, and so the Nicene Creed, I mean, and at every one of these councils, I mean, these dudes got in heated debates. Uh-huh. You know, like in the last council, there's 16 documents. They started with more than 80, okay? There were six, they whittled it down to 16, and they got in heated debates. For instance, Dignitatis Humanae and Gaudium et Spes, which John Paul was one of the key, ar- uh, key architects for both of them. Mm-hmm. Heated, heated debates. Mm-hmm. And Gaudium et Spes is the longest of any church document mm-hmm. in the history of the church. And so, um, yeah, heated debates. And so, like in the Nicene Creed, we see, uh, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. So, of course, we, have, we see there all things visible and invisible, the, the, the realm of the uh, angels and demons. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've talked about before on a podcast that there's in the universe, there's three levels, right? The supernatural, the realm of God, the preter, natural, preter, preter meaning beyond. Um, and that's the realm of angels and demons. And then the natural. OK, so the top two are not bound by time and space, whereas our world is bound by time and space. Mm-hmm. Although one day when we get to heaven, we will not be bound by time and space, right? Mm-hmm. And at the second coming, especially, when our bodies are reunited with our souls. So it goes on. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, clearly saying that Jesus is God. And this we hear about this later on with the word consubstantial or homoousios. The only begotten Son of God, meaning... Um, begotten meaning there's the second person the trinity has always existed while jesus lived on this planet uh we believe for roughly 33 years there was never a time that he did not exist Mm -hmm. and that's an important point right Mm -hmm. and i know you guys have been talking about this in some of your classes too yeah yeah so we're for the listeners out there we're going through the catechism in a year podcast with uh father mike schmitz so i would highly highly recommend that Uh, And we have gone through the creed section. We've been, we started January 1, and we've gone through the creed section. And so it's brought up a lot of these, a lot of these questions on who are the angels and what does all of this mean? And um, which has been, which has been huge to be able to dig back into this in a a deeper level. Uh, And so, so yeah, so I would highly encourage everybody to not be afraid of the catechism and and go through it and father mike schmitz definitely makes it more approachable than mm-hmm. uh, and a little less scary and daunting <laughs> yeah yeah indeed and we we can do another full podcast to kind of dig in more into the mm-hmm. the catechism a little bit of the history of it as well mm-hmm. and i always tell people i said look if you want my opinion Approach the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which many of you know came out in 1992. Mm-hmm. Most of the version that we have was the uh, the edited version, uh, 94. But use it as a prayer book. Right. You know, like read it, but then pray on it. Mm-hmm. Pray on a chunk of it. Mm-hmm. And um, so the first part's on the creed. Second part is on the sacraments. Third part is on the moral life, our decision-making, and the fourth part being prayer, mm-hmm. right? And it's one of those things that I told everybody. We start with the creed because once we start to better understand what we profess, i.e. the Trinity, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, what, we, what we know regarding the dignity of the human person being in the image and likeness of God, 
then everything else is going to fall into mm-hmm. place and makes make better sense with regards to the sacraments, the liturgy, prayer, and the moral life. It all much better makes sense. Uh, but also with regards to Jesus, eternally begotten, always being there, you know, we even see that in Genesis, mm-hmm. just right there at the very, very beginning mm-hmm. with the with the plural of let us make man in our image. Yeah, and it's hard, isn't it, for human beings to grasp this? Oh, yeah. To, because everything we know as a, as a human being has mm-hmm. a beginning, a middle, and an end to it. Mm-hmm. So when we think about a God that has always existed and that will always exist, we can't wrap our mind around that. It's, I always tell people it's, it's a little like it's akin to going out at night and staring at all the black space, mm-hmm. that black matter, and thinking about where does that end yeah where does all that end <laughs> right i mean because everything we know has a begin beginning middle and an end to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it's it's hard even thomas aquinas makes this point many times to understand he said it's sometimes easier to say what god is not yeah what he calls apophatic theology what and like what what do we know that god is not first mm-hmm. let's try to put him in a, a bit of a box mm-hmm. if we can do that and um and so, you know, one of the things that the creed is so awesome with is that we we have some so much of this laid out for us, and it was guided by the Holy Spirit. For instance, when it says "begotten, not made," he was, you know, in other words, that he was, uh, you know, clearly rebutting Arius there that he was he is divine, mm-hmm. consubstantial, one in being with the Father. So he was he is God. Mm-hmm. He is divine, mm-hmm. which we clearly see in the in the Gospels as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And it's just all, I mean, it is, it is. It is also beautiful. And it's, I'm just so grateful that we can be on the receiving end of all of this and not in the discussion mm-hmm. <laughs> and argument end mm-hmm. of all of this because uh, I'm glad I didn't have to figure that one out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that we could just, the creed could be handed to us and we don't have to figure all this, mm-hmm. all of this out on our own. And, and I also think, is it true? This is a random question. Is it true that St. Nicholas slapped Arius? <laughs> have you heard this? I have heard this. I, this d- I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a, a, it's a really cool story. Like somebody had somebody's <laughs> beard pulled. right or their hair or something I guess they wouldn't get too far with me but they yeah like I heard Saint Saint Nicholas like pulled somebody's beard or whatever yeah I don't know I've been in a few meetings we've come close (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah I that kind of makes sense I mean like at the at Vatican too man it got real heated Mm -hmm. got real heated so I believe this yeah you know it's it's worth pointing out by the way this is just a side note this last council, 1962 to 65, that was the only one, obviously, that they actually had microphones. Wow. So amplified, you know, voice usage. So if you imagine all these guys coming, for instance, like Trent, Council mm-hmm. of Trent went on for roughly 25 years, Mm-mm. okay? Imagine go to a meeting and you can barely hear. And some of these guys were old. No. Okay. So one of the things that they used to do is they would the speaker would stand in between marble slabs mm-hmm. so that their voice would project, would echo. Mm-hmm. 
and other people could hear them. But I mean, we don't think about those things, but like, I mean, and God bless them. Some of these guys were coming from a long distance. I mean, at Nicaea, they they were, I mean, that took weeks Mm -hmm. to get there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, and, and some, some of them, were, again, were not in the best of health. Yeah. So, I mean, they really deserve kudos for, for what they did. And how long did the Council of Nicaea last? You know, I should know that off the top of my head. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm just thinking 25 years yeah. sitting in a meeting. I mean, seriously. Where you're debating seriously. and arguing. And then, or... of course, wouldn't it be funny if they got to the end of that 25 years and you realized they were just having a meeting about having another meeting? And <laughs> Like all the meetings that, you know, happens a lot. But, um, and you're like, dude, it's been 25 years. And so, um, yeah, they were, that was, of course, uh, combating um, the Reformation and trying to answer some of Luther's questions in particular. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where they re, they, of course, had the canon of scripture at Trent, uh, but prior to Trent, but they reaffirmed the canon of scripture and the Mm -hmm. sacraments. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's when we kind of scroll down in the, on the Nicene Creed, one of the things that we realize is that, uh, and which is often overlooked, is that for our sake, who is crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. So one of the things crucified under Pontius Pilate, one of the things that um, has come up quite a bit over the years is Uh, the simple question, who is responsible for the death of Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that the the Second Vatican Council notes there, um, kind of pulling on that line, is that um, we say that uh, under no circumstance can the Jews Mm -hmm. be held accountable for the uh, death of Christ. We say it's uh, the sin of mankind, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but clearly, uh, Pilate gave the green light on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, uh, I love my very favorite line, really in the Nicene Creed, is the very last line. And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life and the world to come. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, I mean, this is Christian hope. This is Christian hope. I mean, it, I, every time I read that, mm-hmm. it reminds me of Holy Saturday Mass and. And if you've, if those of you that are listening, if you've never gone to a Holy Saturday litur- liturgy, okay, just go, mm-hmm. just just go, because like so many Catholics have never gone. Mm-hmm. Well, Father, it's a long mass. I'm like, okay, Jesus died for you, dude. <laughs> Take it for the team. You can handle uh, two hours. Or you can handle two hours. <laughs> all right, get some Chick Fil A before you go. <laughs> okay, just bite the bullet and go. Mm-hmm. All right, but. So it's all, a, a, it's Christian hope. We, we bring in the light of Christ, mm-hmm. shining in the darkness. All the church is dark. Everybody lights their own candle. And that's, this is what we, what we believe, right? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, that we look for the resurrection mm-hmm. and the life in the world to come, that our bodies will be resurrected again, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that they'll be reunited with the souls. Yeah. Another priest friend of ours, he used to say very beautifully that the Easter vigil, the Saturday uh, Easter vigil, was like you are standing at the tomb and you get to watch the stone roll away Mm. and you get to watch it happen. That by the time you get to Easter Sunday, 
it's empty. The stone's been rolled, mm-hmm. is rolled back and you know, you celebrate. Yeah. But on Easter vigil, you get to watch it roll back. And I always, that's always been so, so beautifully imprinted yeah. in my mind every time we go to an Easter vigil, which again, with kids, sometimes you have seasons where you can go to an Easter <laughs> vigil. Or there are other seasons where you just cannot make it. Yeah. Um, and so I totally, I totally get that. But every time I've been able to go, that's sort of, and that's what I've even taught our kids too. Like mm-hmm. the lights, when they all turn on, like they're the stones rolling back mm-hmm. now. That's a great image. Yeah. And it's really yeah. is just a very powerful, beautiful I thought about thing. that actually. That's a really yeah. great image. Yeah. It's, it's true. It's really true. And, um, and you know, it's, it's sometimes disappointing at how many Catholics don't realize that Mm -hmm. they don't think about that they're just like oh yeah that's kind of nice you know Mm -hmm. like it's kind of a cute thing Mm -hmm. but they 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 don't really dig into it yeah and and that's a tragedy I mean they know all about fantasy football stats Mm -hmm. they know all about uh you know Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. and then they I mean so but when it comes to some of the ABCs of their faith Mm -hmm. they just have not done it and, and most of them will be the first to admit they should, mm-hmm. but they just haven't taken the time to kind of dig into it a bit. Right, right. It's, it's way more fun and enjoyable than what we think it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we prepare for a New Year celebration and we all get together, you know, hours in advance, anticipating midnight and counting down and all mm-hmm. of that, I mean, that's what an Easter vigil is, mm-hmm. you know, but it's even greater than just the start of a new year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I can say for priests, um, the Monday after Easter is a coveted day because we are so exhausted from a week. At that time, we're like, man, I'm gonna eat, have a you know a little cocktail, take a day off. And so <laughs> nobody called me. Yeah, I'm indeed, indeed. And of course, that day everybody lights up your phone. That's uh, usually how it goes. Yeah. But um, no, it's, it's, gosh, we're so blessed with our Catholic faith. Listen, it's great to have everybody. Don't forget to put soul in your food and give food to your soul. God bless you.